Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Mission Talk, where we are talking everything missions from across the street to around the world. Let's do this. Hey there, we are back with another episode of Mission Talk, talking everything missions from across the street and around the world. And now we're going to take a trip down to Florida to someone that I actually have a very personal connection with because he used to serve on the same staff that I am now serving on here in Wilmington, Ohio. I have joining with me today, church planters, Ben and Jody Abbott. Ben and Jody, thanks for joining me. Welcome. Glad to be here. Awesome. Hey, Ben, uh, I we... I talked with you on the phone of, uh, it's probably been what, about a week ago, or we've been trying to set this up for a while. And I'm sitting here thinking it's been, um, it's been what over four years since you have, uh, left the staff here and ventured yeah. off to Florida. Close to four, but not over four. Yeah. Close to four, not over four. All right. So for those of us who are watching and there are many people that watch this show and that are connected, even, with our church here in Wilmington, Ohio now, that probably have no idea who you even are, because we have, or, uh, and especially with um, our church now being on an online platform, you know, there are probably several hundred people that will see this and be like, who is this? How is he connected? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ben and Jody, can you guys just uh, introduce yourselves to introduce your family? Yeah, why don't you go first? Jody. Okay, um, well, we have been married for 22 years, and we have three children. Uh, Maddie is 17. Um, Mike is 15 and Noah's 10. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we met at church camp in uh, Western Pennsylvania called Camp Christian when we were just little kids. It was a family camp. So we've known each other since we were small. And uh, she kind of had her group that she hung around with. And I had my group that I hung around with. It wasn't until high school, actually, after I graduated. After high yeah, I was in the Air Force and she was in. Uh, college at Milligan in Tennessee when we finally started dating and getting together and you know eventually got married so it's pretty cool we've known each other a long time and uh, like way back in our Camp Christian days when we were kids we actually did a little worship service where Jody sang and I did a little homily yeah so it was like foreshadowing you know from like when we were 10 or 12 or something to now it's like really funny like we would have never guessed you know in a thousand guesses that this is where we'd be. And uh, even since we started ministry, we wouldn't guess this is where we would no. be being church planners. And in Florida, like, how did that happen? It, it was just God guides and directs, and you just have to be ready to go with the flow and on these little mini adventures. Yeah. Well, I really miss hearing Jody sing. <laughs> um, it was awesome having Jody on the worship team and playing with her when she was here. Also, too, that blows my mind that your kids are that old. I know. I mean, our minds too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wh- where are you two originally from? Then you're from Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, we so- both grew up in Pittsburgh. I was born in uh, upstate New York in Syracuse, but I moved when I was small. Um, you know, under two years old or something like that. We moved down to Pittsburgh, so that's where I identify from. <clears throat> Unless somebody really hates the Steelers, and then I tell them I'm from Syracuse, and then I go for Buffalo. You know what I mean? And then they all <laughs> say, "Oh, we're so sorry." Okay. <laughs> No, you can stay. <laughs> well, after the season Pittsburgh had last year, you know, I don't, I think people might be saying they're sorry at this point too. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, so yeah. what happened after high school? Ben, did you go straight into the Air Force after high school? Yeah, I joined Special Operations. I ended up getting stationed here in Florida, but I was in the Panhandle. So right under Alabama. Matter of fact, we called it LA, Lower Alabama. It was right on the Gulf Coast. Beautiful spot. Destin, Florida is right there. Uh, Fort Walton Beach is where I was stationed. It, it was great. Yeah. And then um, after active duty, I moved back to Pennsylvania after Jody and I got married. We got married right at the end of my active duty tour and moved back to Pennsylvania. And uh, I was in the reserve there for six years. Awesome. Well, also, thank you for your service. I've probably told you that a couple times over the years. <laughs> but anyways, thank you. Um so you two got married and then you moved back um, to the uh, Pennsylvania area. At what point then did you start to shift and God started calling you towards ministry? Well, I felt like I was called to ministry in basic training, strangely enough. And I went down to a chaplain and I said, hey, uh, I feel like 
I'm in the wrong place. And he said, well, that's tough because you signed up for four years. <laughs> and God doesn't want his people breaking promises. And that's a pretty big promise to your country you made. So if it's really a call from God, it'll be there in four years. Well, by that time, uh, when the four years was up, I was married and in a different situation and moving back to Pennsylvania. I started working for Lockheed Martin, an aircraft manufacturer. And uh, so during the week, I was working on government planes. And then on the weekend, when I was doing my um, reserve duty, I was working on the same airplanes. It was quite an interesting thing. Uh, that's where I was during 9-11 when the uh, trade towers got attacked. I was right there working on airplanes at the airport. Let me tell you, that was weird when planes stopped flying for days on end um, and you're at an airport. Very strange. But uh, that's how I ended up there. And um, I remember I was sitting in my driveway one day and I thought, you know, things are going really well. Jody and I ended up with a little apartment building with three units and uh, we were buying new cars and I had a great job. and things were going really well. And we were having Maddie, our first child. And I was sitting there in my, in my car, in the driveway thinking, well, maybe God didn't call me in the ministry after all, you know, this is what he wants me to do. So, you know, we were active in our church. Um, we were youth sponsors uh, for our youth group and I was teaching Sunday school classes and Jody of course was helping with music and stuff. And we, we were really enjoying things, but then all of a sudden things started to change. It was like right after that prayer, or thought, <laughs> you know, um, I got laid off from my job because uh, 9-11 really changed things a lot. And uh, U.S. Air uh, was a major air carrier. They had a hub in Pittsburgh. They closed, they laid off a whole bunch of mechanics. And then it was like, well, Lockheed took the opportunity to lay off their mechanics. And maybe, I don't know, I don't want to speak for them, but, you know, try to save some money and hire some guys with more experience for less money because there was such a uh, supply and demand situation came up where there's all these extra mechanics around. So I was out of work for about, I don't know, a little over a year from Lockheed. And I was doing all kinds of odd stuff, trying to keep the bills paid. And then um, I went back to school to be like, I was thinking electrical engineering. And I was taking all these classes that I just wasn't enjoying. And I said, if this is really what this is all about, I don't know if I want to do this. So I was going through a time of thinking, you know, what should I do next? Then I went back to work for Lockheed for a little while, for about uh, nine months, and then they closed our site down completely. Um, but during that time, we had people move out of our apartment building, and we we're having trouble paying for the two cars that we bought that were new and, and paying for the renovations on the apartment. And uh, it was really a, a stressful time. But I finally gave up one day, and I just said, I can't fix this. Uh, God, what do you want me to do? I don't understand. You know, we feel like we're good Christian people. Why are we going through all this trouble? And that's when it was like the light bulb came on and it was like, God's calling you into ministry. Well, and it was so weird because I came to him and I said, Ben, I think mm. you're supposed to go into ministry. And at the same time, he was like, Jody, I think we're supposed to go into ministry. And uh, so it was just like a, like, yeah, like a light bulb went off. And uh, as soon as we decided that that was what we were supposed to do, things just started falling back in place again. So. Yeah. I was afraid to tell Jody because <laughs> she got married to me. I mean, she didn't sign up to be a preacher's wife, you know? So I was a little bit afraid. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, promising her father I was going to take care of her. I had a good job, you know, and stuff. And um, he had just passed away. And uh, so things were, you know, really in flux at that time. This is like uh, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. So it was a really tough two, three years there. But once we decided, like Jody said, um, we put our house up for sale. The real estate agent said, no one's going to buy this apartment building thing. No one wants that. They're like, it's going to take six months. It sold in six days. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the only apartment, like the only thing that anybody offered anything on. Yeah. So like, for sure, this is God. Yeah. For know? that real estate agent, uh, you have any other <laughs> offers in Pittsburgh other than on our building? Like that day. He was like, I don't know who your God is, but I think I want to know him. We're like, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Um, so we sold that and moved down to Tennessee and went to Johnson Bible College in Knoxville. And uh, that's where I got my undergrad. What What's your story from there? How did it start to progress? Where was your first, um, um, I guess, been your first full-time vocational job in ministry? Well, I, I worked a lot of little churches while I was a student, but it wasn't until I graduated and um, we were having uh, Noah at that time. So Micah was born while I was in Bible college mm -hmm. and uh, in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Jody's like, hey, we're having child number three. Noah's on the way. <laughs> and she's like, I can't take care of two babies and 
be pregnant and have a third, you need to go get a job. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was planning on uh, getting my master's degree and I had worked towards a year towards that degree. Um, But it was like, all right, let's open up and and go take a church. And then, you know, we'll think about um, what we're going to do in the future down the road. So we took a job in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And that was really my first full-time vocational spot. So I was a senior minister at a church called Montague Church of Christ in Prince Edward Island, Canada, which is in the east side of Canada. Um, so you drive all the way up through Maine and then through New Brunswick, you get to the ocean again, and then go over this big, long 17-kilometer bridge or something like that, and then you're on Prince Edward Island. And uh, there's a story called Anne of Green Gables, which is fiction. Um, but it's kind of based on the personalities you find on the island. We found that to be true. Um, and so Jody was reading it to Maddie. And when this position opened up and she's like, Oh, Ben. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll throw it in my resume. I don't think they'll, you know, take us, but strangely enough, the way things worked out with interview processes and stuff, we felt called there and, and they called us up there and that's where we were for five years. Was there any cultural differences you noticed? I mean, Canada is very similar to the United States, of course, but was there anything that's like, well, this is different than where I'm from? (laughs) Lots of differences. They are way more European than you would think. Like you would think, oh, Canada, they're just like right on top of the U.S. They're like the same. They're really not. They're way more um, postmodern, if I can even use that word anymore. Um, They're way more further, further along in their Christ-like yeah, journey, a little more post-Christian yeah. than than America is, and so we had to deal with some of those issues, which then kind of helped us when we came back to uh, deal with some issues that were going on here at that point. So they're just that much further along that when we got back, it was like, oh well, yeah. we kind of understand these things a little bit better. And they're more private in some ways, so you don't even know who a Christian might be because mm. you know because of that post-Christian society kind of up there people kind of keep their faith to their close to their chest a little bit and uh they can be a little bit um you know i don't want to offend anyone but they can be a little bit passive aggressive sometimes and uh, they would say things like you know well you guys in the u.s are so proud of you know having a war to get independence but we got independence without firing a shot so like these little jabs you know that they give us all the time um they needed obviously the U.S. to buy things from them and to help protect their border. And, you know, um, they get a lot of stuff from the U.S. And I think they feel like they are part of the U.S. in a way. Because they would, I would say, you know, America, referring to the USA, and they'd say, well, we're part of America too. We're we're North American. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. So I had to be very specific about (laughs) the words I chose um, when talking to them. but they're good people. Oh yeah, we yeah. are best friends we've ever had there. Really, yeah, they're generous fantastic. people. Yeah. Um, you know, simple lifestyles. You know, fishing, uh, agriculture. That a lot of potatoes were made mm-hmm. on Prince Edward Island, and a lot of lobster was caught on Prince Edward Island. So once a year, there's like this two month window where people are giving us like bucketfuls, literally, of of lobster. Like yeah. here's 10, 12 lobster, one pound lobsters just so the pastor can have a feed, you know, that's what they'd say. And I, wow. You know, Hey, can I have some blue, uh, some of them blue muscles, uh, fill your boots. They'd say, you know, <laughs> take, take as much as you want. It's just very generous, wonderful people in, in many ways, but the culture is a little different. And they're a little bit more further towards socialism as well. So you have to understand that they rely on the government a whole lot more than, um, than we do. So yeah. yeah socialized medicine, like a little bit, you know, yeah. Yeah. The entrepreneurial thing is not quite the same as it is here. You know, it's if the government gets it started, there's a program or something, then they're much more likely. There's not a whole lot of like um, parachurch organizations. So there's not like there's an abundance of uh, food banks or clothing closets or soup kitchens or homeless shelters, none of that kind of stuff. Um, So people really were on their own. And I think that also helped bring them together as a community a little bit more. Um, yeah. like they would have these parades and things during different times of the year. And, uh, the first year we were there, I saw this, uh, uh, down syndrome boy who was like, he was like the king of the parade. 
And they made a real big deal about him being up there on the float and made him feel like a million bucks. And I said, man, that's really great. The whole community pulled together and made him feel like really part of the community, made him feel special. And uh, I thought that was wonderful to see that happen. You know, there's, there's just less up there. So, you know, there's less people, there's less things going on, less programs. Um, but because of that small pond kind of thing, um, people's personalities really developed in, in different ways. And, you know, they could be extremely generous and, and kind and thoughtful in, in a lot of ways. It, it was kind of neat. Where in the U.S., there's just so many people here. You know, it's not always, there's always somebody, you know, who's smarter or uh, stronger or better looking or, you know, or, you know, there's not just one person with Down syndrome in the town. There's 50, you know. So it's just things are different on a different scale. And the same thing with the social medicine. It's like, you know, up there, you know, they're servicing uh, 120,000 people on the island. And that was a state, you know, it was a province. You know, well, here, man, we have more than 120,000 people within a mile of the building <laughs> in our neighborhood. Yes. You know, it's just, it's just so different thinking about the amount of people are there. And that really changes things. Yeah. yeah. But I think that God really brought us to Canada to teach us a lot of good lessons that we carried with us from there on um, that we didn't really even know we needed. We were like, why are we going through this? And then like later on, we're like, oh, yeah. So God yeah. has his hand in all those things. So. Yeah, it was a great place to kind of cut our teeth and grow up. And, yeah. you know, I had some maybe overly idealistic ideas about ministry at the time. And it's like reality set in a little bit, you know, yeah. and we needed that. Which was good. Yeah. In a safe place, too. Ben, was there any pushback from either the community or the church about this out-of-town guy, especially maybe from America, coming to this little island and, you know, um, being the pastor of this church? Was there any pushback or acceptance there? Um, yeah, there were some people who resented that one of the leaders was from out of the country. It was a foreigner, you know, because they feel a little bit like the U.S. can be arrogant and pushy. And I think we can, I think we go all over the world and we're like, we're America, here we are. You better speak English to me, even though I'm in your country, maybe I should try to speak Italian or Spanish or Polish or French. Yeah. They're dual language up there, French and English. So we kind of carry that chip on our shoulder and I think it pushes some of them the wrong way. Um, but on the other hand, they realize because they're such a small community that um, there's certain people that they need. So, you know, doctors, um, ministers, you know, um, uh, I was going to say like psychiatrists, they have a real need for mental health um, help up there, but it's just really hard to get. Um, things are just a little bit different because you know, the, the sun is different up there. and People are on vitamin D and things because when you live that close to the pole, you know, more so than here, it just things affect you that you wouldn't think of, you know, indirect sunlight really does have an effect on your moods and stuff. But um, yeah, there was a little bit of pushback. One of the first things they would ask when I was there would be, um, yeah, who's your, yeah, who's your father? Who's your father? What is his name? And cause they thought that they could, they could trace us through like, you know, last name. Yeah. Like there so were only I'd, a couple last names on the island really. Yeah. So I'd say oh. Abbott. And then the, the next question would be, are you the son of Dr. Abbott? You know, no. and I was like, no. And they're like, oh, well, why are you here? <laughs> Basically is what they'd say. And I'd say, I'm a minister at Church of Montague. And then they're like, okay. Like 50% of the people would be like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, the other 50 didn't care. But really, by the time we left Prince Edward Island, it was amazing because people had really, they didn't know that we were foreigners anymore. We kind of, we read this book when we were, when Ben was in grad, uh, undergrad. Um, it's called No Little Places. And it, it teaches you how to just, you know, become who that community needs, like learn all about that community and then become who that community needs. There are no little places where God is concerned. And so we kind of took that to heart. And um, by the time we left, like I said, they thought we were Canadian. We had a little Canadian with us, obviously, Noah. But um, other than that, they just, you know, they didn't know. They're like, oh, you're moving to the States. You're going to leave your home. And we were like, well, we are from the States. And they're like, what? Like, yeah. So that was kind of cool. They really adopted us by the end and counted us as part of their culture. So. 
And it's funny, even thinking back to the days in Canada, like I start talking more Canadian, yeah. <laughs> like start using phrases and things, you know, yeah. that they would say. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of neat. And when we first came to Wilmington, we sounded very Canadian. People thought we were from Canada. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm a veteran from the Air Force, U.S. Air Force. <laughs> like, oh, they like Canadians in the Air Force. I'm like, I'm an American. <laughs> I'm a U.S. citizen. Yeah. Ohio helped us get our accent on, so that's, that's, that's true. At what point did you start to transition out of that and start it turning your eyes towards uh, where I'm at right now here in Wilmington, Ohio? Um, yeah. Do you want to answer any of that, Jody? <laughs> well, I just kind of remember Ben's car catching on fire. <laughs> what? Yeah. His car caught on fire. And we, we were sort of like, um, we can't replace this on our income here. Our kids were getting older. We were like, if we're going to make a transition back to the U.S., we kind of need to do it now before they really, really have, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff going on in their lives. Um, and, and yeah, the car catching on fire was like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Was that like a burning bush moment? <laughs> <that like you're> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> in every movie I ever watched, you know, with a car on fire, they explode. You know, so like I opened the hood and there's flames coming out and my kids, you know, are small and they're like coming out to see what's going on. I'm like, get back, back, you know, you're going to die, you know, and I'm like yelling at Jody, go get the fire extinguisher. And, you know, I'm putting this fire out on my car. Yeah, but we were financially pretty, uh, pretty tight, you know, and um, there wasn't a whole lot of new people moving on the island and there wasn't a whole lot of new people in our town. So. It was kind of like we were pretty plateaued in some ways yeah. um, financially. Uh, the ministry was growing, though, and it had yeah. gotten healthy. We had a, a little bit of a tough spot that we got through. Yeah, well, and they had some leadership, and that might have been part of why they looked at people from the U.S. not as favorably. They had some leadership before we came that really took advantage of them, and so they were very leery of us um, at first. But we feel like we brought them through that time and then we're able to, so they were in a really good position to move on. And we kind of felt like, well, that was also the reason to go. It's because we felt like it's kind of like a Nanny McPhee moment. Like, you know, when, Mm. what is it? Like when you, when you need her, but you don't want her, her, then she has to stay. But when you want her, but you don't need her, then they have to go. It was like that sort of thing. You know, they were ready to go. They really needed Canadian leadership. And um, so this was the right time. Yeah. And I was, I was working at the little Bible college there on the island as well, which was supporting the like 20, 30 uh, Christian churches in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and on Prince Edward Island. And uh, we had a guy that had just got out of the Royal Canadian Navy that I had been bringing along, um, baptized him and his family, and we were teaching him at the college. Well, he's now the senior pastor of the church up there. So it was kind of like... It was great to hand them a Canadian to take over that position because I think they really wanted that. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of an embarrassment. I think if, if you turn the tables, like what if, you know, um, Wilmington Church of Christ was being run by someone from another country? You know, there, of course, we'd be favorable to them, but they, we would still kind of have this feeling like, well, why couldn't we raise somebody up from our own country to be the leader? Mm. So it was really good that. Um, his name, Stephen Vesey, was able to um, get his undergrad and, and uh, start taking over um, at Montague. And uh, that was that was really a good thing for the church. And like Jody said, it was just time to make that transition. Otherwise, we were effectively going to be moving our family out of the United States yeah, for, for good. Yeah. Because, you know, once you start making these family connections and stuff and, you know, kids start getting married and things, you know, um, Effectively, we were going to stay. We were already um, permanent residents, we were called. Um, but we weren't quite ready to pull the trigger on being citizens. Um, <laughs> so it was like, yeah, it's time to come back to the U.S. And we ended up at Wilmington. That's where we uh, came back to. And it was wonderful. How did you get connected to uh, the Church of Christ in Wilmington? Um, on our college websites, there's usually job boards. Hmm. this was a few years back now you know um so i i was on one i think it was the johnson university web board or maybe cincinnati christian university um web board at the time for the job opening 
And I saw it and thought, you know, um, it'd be great to work on discipleship. And that was the position they had open. And being a senior pastor, is there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, being a foreign agent <laughs> and uh, stuff, it was just a lot on our family. So I said, you know, it'd be great to be, you know, an associate instead of being the lightning rod for everything. Um, so I put in for that position and uh, Dale and, and uh, the staff at the church put us through quite uh, the, the interview process. Mm-hmm. You know, we came to Wilmington, stayed with um, Tim Miller and, and uh, his mm-hmm. family. And, and uh, it was like this, I don't know, 72 hour long interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Um, uh, Bob, what was his last name? Bob? Moore? Um, it's Leah. Leah is the daughter. Um, Bob Grouch? Leanne? Oh, uh, Moore. Moore. That's yeah. it. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Bob, Bob Moore. Moore. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he was pretty instrumental in, in uh, kind of vetting us and, and uh, making sure we were okay and uh, stood up for us a little bit, which was really cool. And it was sad when he had to move out of town, you know, for work. But uh, man, you know, he really helped get us in there. And and uh, Tim and Deanna yeah. Miller, awesome. You know, we lived with them for like six months when we first moved back from Canada, you know, while we we're trying to find a house. And um, just, and Dale and Carrie, super awesome with us and showing us the town and helping us get acclimated. Just like, there's a long list of people. I, I don't want to start naming names because I'd have to name the whole church because everyone. Was <laughs> I know you're coming from a very small island, small community type place, but I don't know how Wilmington compares to size, but you also probably got to agree. Wilmington is a very um, small community. Once you get involved, it's a very uh, friendly, simple community. Mm-hmm. And so what, what was some of, do you have any stories or any, some of your favorite memories from here in a uh, Clinton County, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of neat stuff that happened while we we're there. Um, hope over heroin happened while I was there. And I, yes. I thought that was a fantastic thing. We saw drug dealers, you know, who were selling opioids get uh, baptized. And matter of fact, Tim Miller was the guy in the tank. Well, and one of the cool things about it was it wasn't just Wilmington church of Christ. It was mm-hmm. a bunch of the churches mm-hmm. in Wilmington pulling together and then when people would come out of the water, they give them a T-shirt and they give them a card with a, a name of someone to pray for them and help disciple them. And uh, it was a it was a great event. And uh, I talk about it with people here all the time because when I got there, there was that um, uh, prayer room that was down on Main Street, mm. and uh, that was instrumental in having a neutral place for pastors to come and pray. And um, that hope over heroin came out of that. And it really brought unity to the town and the churches. And here in um, our town, here in Auburndale and Winter Haven and Lakeland, Florida, it's it's very fractured. The churches are, you know, and ethnic stuff has to do with that. You know, there's Haitians who speak Creole. They have their own church. And it makes sense because they don't really understand English that well. And then you have uh, Puerto Ricans have moved here and they speak Spanish and maybe not so much English. And they just want to be around people who know their culture and, and sing the songs the way they sing them. And so they have churches and then you have the Anglo churches, you know, um, and a lot of times they're very transient because you have snowbirds coming from all over the country that come down and then they leave. When I first came to uh, the church uh, that was here, they had part-time elders <laughs> that would be here, you know, part of the year. And then the rest of the year, they'd go to Indiana or, you know, Ohio or, you know, uh, Delaware, all over the place. It's very, Interesting. I never saw that before. So when I think about Wilmington, one of the great things is that unity. And I'm trying to help bring some of that here and, and, you know, take that idea of togetherness and make that happen. Just yesterday, we had um, a prayer meeting with with pastors in the um, prayer room that just opened here. So um, it wasn't International House of Prayer. It's it's another group, but it's the same kind of idea. Where it's just you know people from the community come in and pray, so it's that neutral spot. And so I started inviting pastors. We only had four this first uh, meeting, but um, that's something. And so I'm, I'm trying to bring that unity, like I saw in Ohio. So that's one of my favorite things. 
yeah. for sure. Yeah, like the, the time that um, all the pastors from the different congregations came and, and preached at Wilmington, and then we kind of like switched off and on. That was so cool. Yeah. And hopefully we can do something like that here as well. Yeah, kind of share the pulpit a little bit. Um, of course, on a personal side, you know, we have that nativity that used to be outside Wilmington. I don't know if you guys still do that, where the, you know, the, the mannequins. Or Mary's mm-hmm. like that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, during the rest of the year, I don't know if everyone knows this. But Dale likes to play jokes sometimes. I'm sure everyone knows that. And uh, <laughs> he would take those mannequins and hide them in people's offices and stuff. So you'd open the door to your office and, whoa, you know, who's I this? I think it was always Tony and that little boy. <laughs> yeah. So there was this little tiny boy and I used to hide it down in the supply closet. And then I'd call down the hall to Tony Jenkins before she retired. I'd say, hey, Tony, um, I need I need some pencils. I can't find any. She's like, they're in the closet. And then she'd just go over there to get them and open the door. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of fun with each other and stuff on the staff. Or like fun. Don Lutchel and oh, yeah. mannequins in his house. Yeah, don't remind him. I think he's still holding the grudge about that. <laughs> That's now, the best. We were watching John's house while he was out of town. And we set them up all around the table like they were having a meal. We put the mannequins in his car in the garage. And there was one in the shower. One in the shower. <laughs> And Kelsey saw the one in the shower and said something to church like, my dad had a little boy in his shower. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not what happened. <laughs> he was a mannequin and, you know, um, man, good yeah, times. A lot of, lot of fun. We had, we had a great time being on staff. And we just, you know, it, it was a great supportive place, especially yeah. after some of being out of the country, being called an expatriate. That's what we call Americans outside of living outside the U.S. I said, I'm not an expatriate. Now that we move back, are we repatriates now? Is that, is that how that works? But Manu is a great place to come. And like you said, very um, warm and friendly town. Of course, they had weird ways of giving directions. They always told me to go down where the old Bob and Carl's used to be. Well, I mean, Bob and Carl's had been gone for 10 or 15 years by the time we got to Wilmington. I had no clue where Bob and Carl's or the old Bob and Carl's or the old, old Bob and Carl's. I'm like, who's Bob and Carl and why are they so important, you know, to the directions of this town? I mean, they should sell maps that said Bob and Carl are here. So I would know where to go, but they didn't do that. That was kind of fun. <laughs> or the old Kmart. <laughs> well, Kmart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd Turn down there. I, I've lived here in Wilmington for about 11 years now, but I remember when we first came here, people give directions like that too. They, they'd say well there's the old bob and carl's okay what's that and then, someone literally told me one time you're going to go to the end of the road where the big tree is and you're going to turn right yes yes yeah or where the barn used to be yeah. <laughs> right and to, like there's- you know the old mills down there but you know what now that i've lived here for so long i find myself giving directions like that it's the yeah. funniest thing <laughs> In Canada, they had weird ways too. They they did it by genealogy. So it was like, <laughs> you know, where Adam's dad used to live. You go down that road. I'm like, I don't know who Adam is and I don't know who his dad, you know. But since <laughs> things didn't change so much in that town, it was like everyone knew everybody's history. So mm. that was what part of Jody and I had to yeah. do to become Canadians is dig into their genealogies yeah. and families. And after a while, they started coming to us and asking questions. You know, mm-hmm. like who was who was Aunt Martha married to again? And I'd say, oh, that was Gerard. Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm not even from your country or your family. They're <laughs> asking me these questions. It was kind of fun. Yeah. So Ben, you 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 served at Wilmington on staff for three years. Was it over three years? Um, uh, yeah, maybe just under three years. Actually, yeah, it, it was pretty close to three. Um, can you start talking about how God? then called you and started to move you towards Florida because you went back to school, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted to finish my master's degree. Um, started it in Tennessee. And then we moved up to Canada. I started working on another master's program while I was on staff at Maritime Christian College. I was trading teaching undergrad for taking master's classes. I was only like two classes away from getting my master's up there when we moved to uh, Wilmington. And I thought, well, Cincinnati Bible College is, or Christian University at the time, was nearby. You know, mm-hmm. what's it, like an hour to get to Cincinnati, 45 minutes, something? Yeah. And I thought this would be perfect. I could work on staff as an associate with less responsibility, 
you know, because when you're the senior guy, it's hard to break away and take, you know, full-time graduate classes. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the reason I wanted to be an associate, you know, um, take some of that pressure off and, and use the extra time to work on my degree. But of course, um, things changed in Cincinnati. So that wasn't going to be um, an option. And we discovered that pretty quick. So then it was kind of like, we just put that on the back burner and just settled in and, and uh, really tried to do what we could to help the church and the ministry there. But then um, I got a call from um, Dr. Tommy Smith, who is now the president of Johnson University. And he said, hey, uh, I don't know if you heard, but Florida Christian College um, and Johnson Bible College merged. And now our name is Johnson University. And we're going to start a master's program. And we're looking for some people who would like to be part of that first cohort. And uh, your name came up because we know you haven't finished your degree. And uh, so Jody and I prayed about it and we talked about it and said, you know, this is really something we want to do. And um, we thought we wanted to take this opportunity and it was neat that they kind of sought us out. And uh, so I sheepishly started kind of testing the waters with Dale and some of the other staff and some of the folks we developed relationship with some of the elders and uh, like, like um, at the time, Jack Tamplin was one of the elders and uh, I was teaching a class on the old Testament, new Testament. It was like a survey class and he would Jody and him would sit in the back of the class and heckle me. That's right. <laughs> he had a great time. So, I mean, I went to him and I said, Hey, I'm thinking about going back and finishing my degree. What do you think? And it's, it's been a, a goal of mine since I started, you know, back into ministry, uh, answering God's call. And he was kind of, he was really encouraging. He says, well, you know, I went back to school to get my master's later. You know, I didn't uh, do it traditionally just like you. And, uh, he felt like he got a lot of benefits from it. So he was really good about counseling me. And then I felt a little bit more confident. And then I let Dale know and a couple other people. And it must have been a God thing because people weren't upset. They weren't overly happy either. So that was good. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, see ya. Yeah, you're leaving. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, we'd like you to stay, but we do want to see you uh, finish this goal. And we support that. And even some people said, hey, when you're done, this you know, come on back. And I said, yeah, okay. Um, I can't make promises, but we'll see what happens. And God really changed directions with things. Yeah. So I do feel like we're back in some ways because um, Wilmington supporting our church plant down here at uh, Multiply in Florida. And I think we still have a close relationship, probably the closest relationship I've had with the church outside of the church I grew up in and Jody grew up in. Um, so it's been really neat. I feel like I'm still part of the staff, I'm just on location, you know, and I've been treated that way. People have uh, been really great. Um, you know, Dale calls me on a regular basis just to check in on how I'm doing. Not, you know, cause he's worried. It's more just, you know, friendly, like, Hey, I was praying for you today. Wanted to call and see how things are going. And uh, that's been wonderful. So I've been getting updates from what's happening in Ohio and I'm trying to give updates what's happening here. So it's good. And this is good having this interview we've been wanting to do a video of some kind to send to you guys, but it's like never quite happens. You know? Conversation is much better too. Yeah. Just like talking. Yeah. That's right. So this is like, great. It's like, Hey, uh, you know, if they're not going to send us a video, we'll, we'll call them and make a video. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out well. Guys are smart. Yes. Yes. How, how long ago did you actually uh, finish your master's program? Three years. Yeah. Three years ago. Yeah. Last week was the three three year mark when I finished the master's degree. Yeah. So right after I graduated, I took a, a little church part time um, mm -hmm. near Daytona Beach, which was really cool. I also had to get a job though um, outside the church, so I worked changing um, tires on boat trailers and replacing the bearings and repacking them with grease and stuff, and. Uh, you know, it was good to work with my hands, but man, is it, it's so hot out here in the summertime in Florida. And it was just like, I'd get rained on and, and I was out in the sun. It was tough, but it reminded me what volunteers go through at church. You know, they're working all week and sometimes church leaders can be a little salty to them and be like, Hey, I told you that this meeting was starting 15 minutes ago. Where you been? You know, God reminded me, 
sometimes when you're working and and uh, trying to make a living and serve in church, we have to be much more um, forgiving of each other and and you know uh, grateful. So it really changed my heart a little bit to be more grateful for the volunteers. And I needed that before we started doing church planting because it's mostly volunteers that runs everything. Yeah. You know, we don't have the luxury of having a large staff. It's like, you know, and people have jobs. So uh, it was, it was a good reminder. So right after working there, ended up interviewing to take, you know, when we decided we're going to go into the church planting, that's what God was calling us to do, which seems like another crazy adventure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I ended up taking another course for a year, which took me to uh, Washington, D.C. Um, on two different weeks, um, doing a, a very intentional um, church planting course. It was like 10 months long um, to help me get where I'm at now. And I still feel like I'm learning every day. COVID really changed things a whole lot. Yeah. So our, our plans, we had amazing plans that whole 10 months we're working on every aspect you could think of in church, but then COVID came and blew that all up. So now we feel like we're going back. Well, not going back, ways. but I think going in a direction that God really wanted us to go in the first mm -hmm. place. And we just sort of got sidetracked like, Oh, shiny, let's go that way. Mm -hmm. But God was like, no, 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 come back to reality here. This is what I really want you to do. Yeah. You know? So yeah. the, the format and, um, just the way we think about the church is a little bit different than when we first set out, you know, uh, we meet around round tables. We don't have enough volunteers really to pass communion. So we put the communion plates right on those tables. And that was the reason we started doing that. But then we realized that there's some special dynamic for us, you know, especially with all these transient people from all over, they're looking for families, you know, so they come and sit around a table and that table of people in the church becomes their family. And then they share the communion you know, pass it around at that table. It's like family serving family. It's pretty neat. So we, we have like 18 tables set up with, with communion plates on each one. We had a college professor from Johnson, Florida, uh, use his um, 3D printer to make us custom communion plates that go on each table. Because, you know, the big gold or silver plates you pass, you know, I think they hold maybe 50 cups or something. And that was a little bit overkill. So uh, made these really cool custom uh, communion plates that are on the tables. And it just, things are coming together really well. We realized this is where God was guiding us in the first place. Well, not, not just the communion, not just the communion tables, but it's, it's called cafe worship. So mm. it's, yes, it's very family oriented, very discussion oriented. We actually, a Ben does like a little sermon during the, the Sunday morning worship. And then everybody discusses what we just talked about. So it's very um, interactive. Um, we want people to be able to form relationships. That's that's how you disciple people by forming relationships with them and continuing yeah. those relationships on. So, and we feel like that's really foundational to what we're doing here because we're starting from scratch. So you need to have these relationships to build this foundation. That you know, then you can start reaching out and bringing more people in. You know, where other churches that have been established for a long time, it's kind of like they take for granted that they have this base of people that are there. You know, um, and uh, COVID really helped open our mind. Well, and I think we yeah. never actually closed down during COVID. We had a we had an open time when people could come for prayer and they could come for communion, and then they just sort of like hung out in our cafe area. So they actually formed more relationship during COVID than we would have otherwise. I think because you know you come to a service and you do your thing, and then you leave, and then you know you might talk to a few people, but these people were really intentionally forming relationships with each other because they weren't able to see anybody else really, you know? So I think really COVID was a blessing for us in a lot of ways, even though it sort of shut us down for a little bit. Um, it, it really opened the door for relational sorts of things. And then we kind of took that and expanded on it once we were allowed to pull it back up again. So yeah. it really was. We, we only time. let 10 people in and building at a time. Right. Yeah. You know, I want to go back and point that out. Okay. You know? So that if there was 10 people in the auditorium, praying and taking communion maybe there was 10 people out in the yeah. in the lobby you know but if somebody went over ratio we just have somebody step outside or go into the other room something like that so we were keeping with the covid you know recommendations people were wearing masks and and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. but it was neat it's kind of like in the same way as when 
I got called back into ministry, you know, basic training, but then nothing happened until years later. And um, it was like, God made circumstances happen. And then I tried in my own power to fix it. The same thing happened with the church plant. It's like, we had all these plans that we made, you know, and I listened to a lot of, you know, expert people who planted churches before, and this is how you plant a church, they told me, you know, but no one knew what was going to happen with COVID. And when that happened, things really changed. And I was able to stop trying on my own, you know, power, my own talents and, and skills and, you know, wisdom, and then start saying, okay, God, I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, just, just guide us. And I think some of the things that we enjoy so much right now, like the cafe worship, that all came from, uh, not from me, it came from, from, you know, reacting to the situation, following what God was leading. When it's really interesting to just sort of stand back and watch it. That's basically mm. what like you stood back and we're like, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Go with that. Yeah. And now people are like, oh, wow, you guys are geniuses. I'm like, right. like no, I kind of want to take credit, you know, but I can't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. Say that all you want. But uh, really, it was God who was leading us. And we were open to let God. Yeah, you know. that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. And you you did some online pre-recorded services there for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've watched a few of those. And um looks like you had some, you had good music going on and Ben gave a message. How how long did that last? Because Florida was a lot looser on the restrictions than even Ohio was. So how, how long did it take to start trickling back in? I think we were back. We were back at the end of last May. So it's been about a year. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah, it was like right after Mother's Day, we went back mm-hmm. um, face-to-face. And then shortly after that, we stopped putting stuff online. Really, part of it was... I'm one of the only people who could run the equipment and uh, it was hard to preach and record and then edit and all this stuff. We just don't have the staff to do it. And I was pulling a lot of all-nighters at the time, you know, maybe two or three a week trying to get all this stuff edited and online. You understand what that's like. And um, it just, I got to one point where one of my mentors said, Ben, you just can't do this to yourself. This isn't healthy. Something's got to, got to change. So we decided to kind of put the recording thing on the back burner until more people came who might be interested in that as a part of the ministry. And uh, it's kind of been sitting on the side. We're waiting for that day to come. How has the community accepted uh, Multiply coming into the community as a church? Mm. Well, the church that was here before that closed, they donated the property to us. Um, they had a food bank that was going for like 30 years. And uh, we really, the community didn't want it to stop. They really relied on that. And so we kept it going even through the. Yeah, even more so with COVID, for yeah. sure. People really needed that help. And so we were able to expand what we were doing with the food bank in the first place because more and more people really needed that help in our community. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're actually doing more with the food bank now than we had before. And uh, we, we were partnering with the local community, uh, local um, authorities. Uh, our county is called Polk County, which is right now the uh, fastest growing county in the whole United States, which is uh, crazy. It was up there when we moved here, but now it's moved way up the list. And uh, mostly around Lakeland, which is about 30 minutes from us. But the whole county is experiencing this rapid growth. There's houses being put up all over the place. Um, people moving here in droves, you know, uh, maybe from, you know, northern states and things like that. So it's, it's quite incredible to see this happen. So we've actually uh, partnered with local authorities. And now we're doing food drops every other Monday. So we have every Thursday we do a food bank where we give out 75 boxes of food. Now we're adding to that twice a month on Mondays, giving out another 80 to 100 boxes of food. And we're talking about now expanding it to doing an evening um, giveaway for, you know, single parents and those who are working. But, you know, maybe they have a job, you know, that isn't helping them keep the all the bills paid and stuff. And they, they wouldn't qualify for food stamps, but they need help. Yeah. These are the kind of people we want to target and, and support, you know. so. Um, we're going to try to do an evening one coming up soon. We're, we're talking about pulling together some, maybe some people from other churches 
you know, and do a little unity thing and kind of work out, you know, with each other to see that, you know, this need gets, it's, uh, gets met. And we've had a lot of good response. The mayor of Auburndale has been uh, very um, kind to us. He's asked me to pray twice now to open um, the commissioner's meetings, which is pretty amazing. And uh, he would ask me to tell about the church after the prayer, which I was surprised and uh, been very uh, kind, very um, supportive. They love what we're doing with the food bank and stuff. So yeah, the community has been embracing us in, in, in those ways. They see us working um, to try to help them and not, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's one thing yeah. is we really need to um, start being you know, really visible in the community because the church that was here before wasn't. So they looked at this this place is a dead place instead of a place that's alive. And so if they see us working and they see the transformations that have happened in the building, but now we really, really want to get into the community now that everything is reopened, um, we want to be able to, to serve as many people as we can. Yeah. So. And the other thing we've noticed is like during COVID, a lot of um, other food pantries and stuff would pop up at businesses. Yeah, and, you now know? Closing. and now they're all starting to close those down. So um, they still need people still need help, still yeah. need food. And so they're starting to rely on the smaller guys like us. So yeah. And really like God has really blessed this. Um, just in the past couple of weeks, we've gotten calls where like, Oh, we want to give you more food or, you know, the USDA is like, we have extra food for you. And we're like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which really leads us to believe that God would want us to expand into that Wednesday night. Um, food drop. Yeah. So, and it's exciting. And, and last fall, we ended up with some uh, really large industrial refrigerators and freezers, you know, like the kind you see, like a gas station, you reach in and grab like the soda. So we have, I think it's nine door, a nine door refrigerator. It's huge. Wow. Um, freezer. Yeah. yeah. And um, as soon as we raise enough funds to install it, we're going to. So, you know, we got some things on, on the horizon that we're trying to work on. And we feel like, you know, if we can emphasize this food bank a little bit, it gives us more contact with the community around us, you know, but they start having a favorable disposition towards us and, you know, they're on our property and they see us serving and, and then that helps us when they see us somewhere else. So if they see the, you know, the logo, you know, and the name, they're like, Oh, those are the people I got food from, you know? Mm -hmm. So if we're able to, in a different venue, share the, the gospel, you know, they're much more likely to listen because um, they know that we care. Um, and we know that that's an element that we have to do. We can't just help people and not tell them about Jesus. Right, exactly. You know, right. it's not appropriate at the time when you're handing them the food to be like, do you know about Jesus? Because it almost seems like I won't give you the food if you don't give me the right answer. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure out ways now to have other venues where we can share the gospel, but use the food bank to kind of... Springboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to really get the right. word out and stuff. Well, and Christ said himself, you will recognize my disciples by the fruit that they bear, by the uh, love that they show. And so sometimes it might not be physically saying with your mouth, do you know Jesus? A lot of times it's through the simple act of kindness that they see Jesus through. And so that's an awesome, awesome thing to see. I, I knew you did a food pantry. I had no idea the opportunities that are arising out of that. And wow. I, I I read all the time on social media that Florida is becoming one of the most populated areas. There's people moving there from all over the States. And mm -hmm. so here comes a rising opportunity. And I'm kind of blown away because I never knew, I didn't know you guys lived in the County that's becoming the fastest growing County. And so that's we didn't either. It's awesome. Even the, even the church planning organization we're with, it's called Florida church partners. Uh, when we said we were going to plant in Polk County, they said, well, we've never really planted a church in Polk County. It's very rural, but it's the, I think <laughs> it's, it's one of the largest, <laughs> if not the largest county in Florida. And it is kind of rural, but it's, it's transforming. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is there used to be a lot of orange groves. Winter Haven mm -hmm. at one time was the citrus capital here in Florida. It's not that way anymore. They're pulling the groves out and putting houses in. Mm -hmm. So the Asians and Puerto Ricans and some others who were here, um, a lot of people from the Bahamas and the Caribbean and stuff who are here, they were picking oranges and doing labor type jobs. Well, those jobs are disappearing. And there's only so many jobs in the resorts, cleaning hotels and things, especially with COVID shut down Disney to a, a big degree and less people coming 
on tourism has really changed things. So these folks have no jobs. And, you know, some of it really isn't because, you know, it, it, the situation in some places is there's lots of jobs, but people not willing to work. I think in some ways their jobs have disappeared and, mm-hmm. and uh, there really isn't any place for them to go. They're not skilled workers in the same way as other people are. And uh, they don't speak English all that well. So we have to support them while they're making these transitions and try to be a liaison for them, you know, mm-hmm. help be an advocate for them because they're Americans too, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're just caught in a culture change. Well, Ben and Jody, the whole reason we we wanted to start this show is to give a platform for missions, both large and small church planners, large and small to have a platform to share what they're doing and also how people can be involved. So if there's someone watching who says, I love the work you guys are doing, how can I help multiply in any way? What are some ways they can do that? Yeah, physically, um, if somebody wanted to come down, um, we could try to work out some place for them to stay with a church member or something. Um, we got construction going on in our education building. So we, we were able to get a loan to renovate the um, worship building. So we have two buildings connected with a breezeway between them. And uh, so the worship space is great, but the education building, um, it's kind of like the food pantry has taken over <laughs> most of it. So there's some offices, a couple classrooms with a lot of stuff stored in them. A and nursery. then, yeah, the nursery, which is, is in good shape. Okay. Um, but the rest is like, you know, like I said, these these uh, refrigerators that need to be installed. And um, there was an old kitchen that it's half taken apart. We could use some help cleaning all that stuff up and and start building the classrooms for the youth. And we don't have a lot of children at the moment, but we're anticipating um, mm-hmm. the ed- education building is not called the pantry building. It's the education building. So, Although there is part of the education that is the pantry yeah. That also needs to be fixed up. So if anybody is great with construction, we would love to have you come and yeah. join us. Um, also, you know, if you just have some extra money. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds know, weird. I know, I know people have received, you know, um, the stimulus checks. If you're looking for a place to tie that, we really need to get these freezers running if we're going to be accepting more food from places um, and then serving more people. So yeah, that's another way you can help especially with the food bank side of things. Yeah. Um, Prayer is a a big thing. I think there's spiritual warfare happening all the time where it's like someone will come along. Like we just had a couple in the church that um, they kind of grew up here at the, at the church that was here before. um, But they've been living together for 16 years, had two children and uh, recently decided, you know what, we should get married. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they came to ask for pre-marriage counseling. (laughs) <laughs> from me after being married 16 years we've only been married a few more years than them and uh so we did that <clears throat> went through the counseling and then he works for the county he was out in the um median uh weed eating and someone ran up over the curb and ran him down and he's in the uh hospital right now badly beat up serious injuries and it's just like we see this happening and i, I count it to spiritual warfare we don't know what was going on in that woman who ran him down. They think maybe drugs were involved or something. It was just strange how it happened. But it's like every time someone tries to turn their life around and, and would be a great volunteer, a great addition to the congregation, something happens. So then um, a couple of days later, there's another fellow who used to be the worship minister at the old church that was here, but he's been attending because, you know, um, some situations happen between uh, we were getting rid of our baby grand piano and he needed a we needed a place for it to go and he was our contact for that and then that turned into him starting to worship with us mm-hmm. well uh things are going great we're you know starting to make this connection healing old you know relationships and then he gets rear-ended and um you know he's his car is is total it's in the shop he's okay but it's just like all these little things happen these spiritual warfare things happen um and there was one other one we have uh, a lady from the church um, she's on staff part-time. She's a administration assistant. Um, she was helping after the food bank one day and just having some heart, you know, shortness of breath and, and, and heart was hurting in her arm. So uh, she went to emergency room and was, in, you know, it, I just feel like Satan is trying everything he can to stop, to stop what we're doing, to discourage people, you know, um, 
to really just kind of thwart what is happening. So we really need prayer support. I mean, that's not lip service. We really do. I, I feel like we're on the front lines. I've never experienced spiritual warfare like this before. You know, um, even in our relationships in the church, you know, things can get stressed. And it's tough to see God's vision when you, you know, we launched with 120 people, but we're running about 40 right now, you know. Um, and we're glad for those 40 people. But it's hard when you're like, you know, are we ever going to grow faster? And with COVID, all the different, you know, aspects that come that some folks don't want to come because they're afraid still, you know. Um, so it's, it's really tricky. And we just need covered in prayer. We really do, you know, for encouragement and keep moving forward and, and keep following God and allowing him to, to, just to lead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ben and Jody, I always end every one of my sessions with asking for specific prayer requests and you just gave us some. And so we thank you for that. We will definitely keep praying for multiply and the mission you two and uh, your family. Thank you so much for uh, spending this past hour with me. Uh, for several people tuning in, they're getting to know you as church planters. And for several people like me, it's catching up with the good friends. So thank you for the work Multiply is doing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is great.